You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Allie Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include the second GOP debate was held Wednesday, there was a shooting in Rotterdam, and Senator Bob Menendez is accused of taking bribes. Here's your national news recap for the week of September 24th. The second 2024 Republican presidential primary debate ended with former President Donald Trump as the party's dominant frontrunner. Two candidates criticized Trump's absence, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, said he was missing an action. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie called the former president Donald Duck and said he hides behind his golf clubs rather than defending his record on stage. The GOP field also took early shots at President Joe Biden. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott said Biden, rather than joining the striking auto workers union on the picket line Tuesday in Michigan, should be on the southern border. Former Vice President Mike Pence said Biden should be on the unemployment line North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum said Biden was interfering with free markets. Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein, the longest-serving female senator in history, has died. In a statement, her office called her legacy undeniable and extraordinary. Feinstein, 90, broke a series of glass ceilings throughout her life. She was a fixture of California politics for decades and was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 1992 after a historic political career in San Francisco. She struggled with multiple health issues this year, leading to an extended absence from the Senate. In February, she confirmed that she would not run for re-election. Feinstein's death will hand California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom the power to appoint a lawmaker to serve out the rest of her term, keeping the Democratic majority in the chamber through early January 2025. A George Washington University law professor says the House has met the threshold to launch an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Professor Jonathan Turley testified in the first hearing of the impeachment investigation Thursday. House Republicans are looking into whether the president improperly profited from his family's foreign business dealings while in office. Turley noted Biden has spoken falsely about those foreign deals and may have profited off alleged influence peddling scheme. The top Democrat in the House says he supports the short-term funding bill advancing through the Senate. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries called on Republicans to put the bipartisan bill on the floor for a vote once it passes the Senate. He said if Speaker McCarthy fails to bring the bill to a vote, Republicans will own the government shutdown at the end of the week. The bill would fund the government through mid-November and includes aid for Ukraine and disaster relief funding, which conservative House Republicans oppose. McCarthy has indicated that he would not allow a vote on the bill. Federal funding is set to expire Saturday night if lawmakers can't come to an agreement. House Republicans are clashing behind closed doors. Reports say Florida Congressman Matt Gates and Speaker Kevin McCarthy got into a testy exchange during a meeting on avoiding a government shutdown Thursday. Gates reportedly confronted McCarthy about whether his allies were paying conservative influencers to criticize Gates on social media, which McCarthy has denied. The two have had a tense relationship as Gates has threatened to force a vote to oust McCarthy as Speaker. 
Gates and other conservatives in the House are pressuring McCarthy to include deep spending cuts in any bill to fund the government. The New York State Attorney General plans to call on former President Donald Trump to testify in his civil fraud trial in New York. Lietta James also plans to get three of Trump's adult children to take the witness stand. A judge just ruled that Trump and his company fraudulently inflated the value of his assets to secure favorable loans and insurance deals in New York State. Documents showed the civil fraud trial will start next week. The lawsuit brought by the state seeks a quarter of a billion dollars. Trump has said the case is politically motivated. President Biden is calling out Donald Trump as a threat to democracy. In a speech honoring the late Senator John McCain in Arizona, Biden said the former president is not guided by the Constitution, but by vengeance and vindictiveness. He warned that the so-called MAGA movement doesn't share the basic beliefs of democracy, which he says is at risk. The president urged Americans, regardless of party, to put the preservation of the country before everything else. The speech comes as Trump is the favorite to win the 2024 Republican presidential nomination, despite facing federal and state indictments for his alleged efforts to overturn his loss in the 2020 election. Vice President Kamala Harris was in South Florida. Harris was taking part in a moderated discussion at Florida International University in Miami as part of her Fight for Our Freedoms college tour. Her month-long initiative is meant to focus on issues that disproportionately impact young Americans. She also delivered remarks at a campaign reception for President Joe Biden in Miami Shores before heading back to Washington. The United Auto Worker Union president is blaming violence against union members on the picket lines on the automakers and contractors. Fain says five UAW members were injured when a vehicle drove through picketers on Tuesday, and two other incidents have been reported as well. Fain says GM and Stellantis are enabling the violence despite GM conducting safety talks at their facilities. Stellantis has called Fain's comments inflammatory and dangerous. An Ulster County man and his girlfriend are charged in the overdose death of his teenage daughter. The Ulster County District Attorney's Office announced Wednesday that Lake Katrine residents Colin Schlegel and Kristen Del Santo have been indicted on manslaughter, criminally negligent homicide, and endangering the welfare of a child, among other charges. 14-year-old Haley Hasbrock of Kingston was found unresponsive in the couple's home in August of last year. Authorities say Schlegel and Del Santo gave the girl drugs, including fentanyl and alcohol, which contributed to her death. I'm Allie Bruce, and that was your National News. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach with your international news report. Our first two international stories today are coming from the BBC. Dutch police have arrested a gunman who killed at least three people in twin shootings in the city of Rotterdam. They say the male attacker, aged 32, opened fire in a home before setting it alight, then stormed the city's Erasmus Medical Center on Thursday. He was a student at Erasmus University, which is affiliated with the hospital. A woman aged 39 and her 14-year-old daughter were killed in the first shooting. A male lecturer, aged 43, was shot dead at the hospital. Footage has emerged showing a man in camouflaged clothing being taken from the hospital building in handcuffs. The motives for the attack were not immediately known. A security guard who says he was first on the scene told the BBC it was a shocking day. It was terrible, terrible, he said, visibly shaken and not wanting to give his name. He said that the gunman had not entered the medical center through the main entrance. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte wrote in a post on social media, My thoughts go out to the victims of the violence, their loved ones, and to all the people who have been in great fear. At a news briefing after Thursday's shooting, Rotterdam police officers said the gunman, who has not been publicly named, was known to them. 
He was convicted of animal cruelty two years ago. The police said there were no indications of a second gunman. As the shooting started at the medical center, employees were seen running out of the building with patients, some of them on stretchers. Signs were seen taped to two hospital windows reading, Room 32, We Can't Get Out. One medical student told RTL News website, First there was a shooting on the fourth floor. Four or five shots were fired. Then a Molotov cocktail was thrown into the education center. Elite police units, including snipers, stormed the hospital, and helicopters were seen hovering over the hospital building. Before his arrest, the police said the dark-haired tall suspect in combat gear may have been on a motorcycle, and was carrying a backpack, headphones, and a handgun. Now on to the Middle East. A female employee of Cairo University has been shot dead by a former co-worker in what Egyptian media are calling the latest gender-based killing. Norhan Hussein is reported to have rejected a marriage proposal from the suspect. The man was later tracked down to an area west of the capital, where he is said to have killed himself with the same weapon used in the murder. In a separate incident in Cairo earlier this week, another woman was killed by a former fiancé. Rights groups say there were more than a thousand cases of violence against women in Egypt last year, including 300 murders. Our third and final international story comes from Reuters, and takes us to Cuba, where power blackouts are expected to increase significantly due to a lack of fuel, officials warned in a nationwide TV broadcast, worsening the country's plight as it deals with food and medicine shortages. Local governments have already begun announcing restrictions on power usage at state-run companies and other entities, including moves to postpone sporting events and university classes. Energy and Mining Minister Vincente de la Ulevi spoke on the broadcast late on Wednesday along the country's economy minister and said, we are not going to have the level of fuel we need or what we had in previous months. The officials suggested that citizens could expect blackouts of up to 8 to 10 hours per day, starting in October, outside of Havana, where residents are usually spared power outages. The communist-run island has been mired in crisis and plagued by blackouts and shortages of food, medicine, and fuel since the pandemic. According to the government, gross domestic product is 8% below 2020 levels, and goods production is 40% below. Cuba says U.S. sanctions are largely to blame for the crisis, depriving the country of foreign exchange to import most of its fuel, food, and other supplies. Washington says the Communist Party is responsible for Cuba's ills, and that the sanctions aim to restore democracy and respect for human rights. The officials on Wednesday said Cuba was making daily efforts to secure fuel to keep the country running, without explaining why the situation had gone from bad to worse. Venezuela, Cuba's largest oil supplier, has slightly boosted exports to an average of 58,000 barrels per day so far this year, from 55,000 barrels per day in 2022, with more fuel oil for power generation delivered. Cuba has also seen regular crude and fuel imports from Russia and Mexico, according to shipping data. But the imports have not been enough to meet the island's rising fuel demand and to compensate for insufficient domestic refining, said Jorge Pinion, senior research fellow at the University of Texas in Austin. Cuba has bought more crude and fuel this year compared with last year. However, the electricity sector's rising demand has not been met either by domestic production or by sufficient supply in Venezuela, Pinion said. He added, if Mexico or Russia seize supply, problems will be bigger. Cuba's crisis has sparked numerous demonstrations, including nationwide protests in July 2021 that were the largest since deceased leader Fidel Castro's 1959 revolution. Hundreds of thousands of people have left the country over the past two years, mostly to the United States. I'm Gavin Trutzenbach, and that was your International News Report. 
Report. I'm Riley Adams with your local news. From News 12, Senator Bob Menendez told fellow Democratic senators on Capitol Hill Thursday afternoon that he will not resign from office amid his latest corruption indictment. Senator Joe Manson told reporters following the Senate luncheon that Menendez spoke for 15 minutes and did not address whether he will run for re-election, according to The Hill. Menendez did not take questions, Manson said. Menendez and his wife, Nadine, were indicted Friday on bribery, fraud, and extortion charges. They both pleaded not guilty Wednesday in Manhattan. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York says the senator is expected back in court on Monday for a status conference. From Fox 29, as Center City looting began Tuesday night, so did the live streams. In a couple of hours, and the help of half a million social media followers, Asia Blackwell, known as Meatball, quickly became the face of a chaotic night in Philadelphia. With thousands watching the social media influencer from only live streamed Tuesday night's looting around the city on Instagram. Police say videos like hers are just one example of how they are investigating and tracking down those involved. The stream followed looters from a state liquor store to Lululemon to the Center City Apple Store. As the store is being ransacked, the stream showed stolen iPhones and iPads sounding an alarm with an anti system. The post went on for hours. At many times, Blackwell can be heard cheering on the crowd. Blackwell's live stream ended with an apparent arrest in the back of the Philadelphia police car. A man who answered at Blackwell's only address said he had no comment about the arrest. Philadelphia police say her social media streams and others like it will be used to identify more suspects. The district attorney's office lists Blackwell's charges as, as burglary, criminal conspiracy, criminal trespass, criminal mischief, riot, use of communication facility, receipt of stolen property, and, and disorderly conduct. She was arraigned early Thursday morning with her bail set at $25,000. From 6ABC, Princeton University is offering free tuition to families who make less than $100,000 a year. That includes room and board costs, according to university officials. Previously, families that earned less than $65,000 a year received full financial support from the Mercer County-based university. School officials say 1,500 students will benefit from the income increase. The new initiative is set to begin in fall of 2023. From NBC10, the family of Eddie Irizarry, who was killed by police during a traffic stop in August, have filed a wrongful death civil lawsuit against the Philadelphia police officer responsible for Irizarry's death, as well as the officer's partner. On Wednesday, the Irizarry family filed a wrongful death suit against Mark Dial, the officer who recently saw his murder charges for killing Irizarry dismissed, and Dial's partner, Officer Michael Morris. The suit cites prior instances of police shootings in Philadelphia and details the events that led to the Irizarry's death. It also highlights the fact that the initial report of the shooting claimed that Irizarry had a knife and lunged at officers before he was killed. In reality, Irizarry never stepped out of his vehicle. He didn't roll down his car window or speak to officers. In the seconds before he was killed, being stopped when officers alleged he was spotted driving the wrong way down a street in the city's Kensington neighborhood. The lawsuit is seeking at least $150,000 in damages. Also, murder charges against Style have been refiled by the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office after they were dismissed on Tuesday. From CBS 3. A man convicted of attempted murder is still on the run Wednesday after New Jersey officials said he never returned to his halfway house following work detail over the weekend. Now Mount Laurel police say they believe Edward Bourbon has left their area and the Department of Corrections said its Special Investigations Division is handling the search. The New Jersey Department of Corrections said the 54-year-old was working a pre-release job at an unidentified restaurant in Mount Laurel Saturday night but never returned to Camden where he was supposed to be finishing out a nearly two-decade sentence for attempted murder. While police say there is no indication Bourbon is a threat to the public, the nature of his conviction leaves some residents uneasy that he was allowed in a halfway house. Bourbon was convicted of trying to kill his parents in 2004 and was sentenced to nearly 19 years behind bars. He was scheduled to be released in February 2024. Even though he was working in Mount Laurel, police say he has no connection to the area and has likely moved to a different place. However, the DOC would not say what, if any, leads they have on Bourbon's whereabouts. From ABC7, a house explosion in West Milford, New Jersey, injured five people and completely flattened a house on Friday night. Officials are now investigating the possibility that a propane leak was the cause of the explosion. West Milford police said they began receiving multiple 
local 911 calls reporting an explosion in the Banker Road area of Upper Greenwood Lake around 9.15 p.m. West Milford Fire Department, First Aid Squad, and Atlantic ALS responded and began rescuing people from the rubble. Five people were trapped under the house. The sixth occupant was just outside. According to a friend of the family, all the victims are expected to recover. What caused the explosion is still under investigation by West Milford detectives and the fire marshal's office. I'm Riley Adams, and that was your local news. I'm Ben Doherty with your Rowan News. President Alie Hushman has announced that a Rowan student has passed away. In an email, he said, I am deeply saddened to announce that a resident of Holly Point Commons passed away yesterday. Please keep the student and family in your thoughts and respect their privacy. We understand that this news may be troubling. If you feel you would benefit from talking with a counselor, call the Wellness Center at 856-256-4333. For more information on available resources, go to sites.rowan.edu slash wellness slash counseling. Philadelphia sports icons Mike Quick and Ruben Amaro Jr. are joining Rowan University's popular and growing sports communication and media or sports cam program as professionals in residence this year. Two legendary careers with the Eagles and Phillies, both with broadcasting careers that follow their playing days. The pair will deliver a series of guest lectures at Rowan for students aspiring to have professional sports communication industry careers of their own. Ruben Amaro Jr. had two stints with the Phillies in 1992-1993 and 1996-1999. He also served as an assistant general manager for the Phillies from 1990 through 2008 when the team won its second world series and from 2009 to 2015 he was the phillies general manager now a color commentator for the phillies television broadcast and he's also a contributor on the 94 wip morning show in philadelphia i've had a unique background as i've been on all sides other than representing the players amaro said from scouting to coaching to playing to working in the front office my perspective gives the students a variety of layers of what it is to be involved in this industry mike quick played his entire nfl career from 1982 to 1990 with the eagles for the past 26 years he's also enjoyed a second NFL career as a color commentator for the Eagles radio broadcast on 94 WIP. Hartman, an Emmy award-winning former Philadelphia sportscaster, has known tomorrow and quick for decades. Their program emphasizes internships and to facilitate enough has forged partnerships with several professional organizations, including the Delaware Bluecoats, the Wilmington Blue Rocks, and Cage Fury Fighting Championship. With 335 students enrolled as majors and another 40 as minors, the program continues to grow. I want our program to be as competitive as any other institution, Hartman said. We want to make it bigger and better, and it all begins with getting really good students. Then it's all about giving them the opportunity to excel. Mike and Ruben help them to do so. I'm Aiden Doherty, and that was your Rowan News. That does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Allie Bruce, along with the Rowan Radio News Team. I'm Jack Miller for the Rowan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Starting with the NBA, the Portland Trailblazers traded guard Damian Lillard to play alongside not Jimmy Butler, but Giannis Antetokounmpo with the Milwaukee Bucks as part of a three-team deal that also included the Phoenix Suns, the teams announced Wednesday. Portland received Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Talmani Kamara, Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first-round draft pick, and unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 2028 and 2030. The Suns received Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson as part of their trade package. The Blazers are expected to engage contending teams on trade talks to move Drew Holiday, sources told ESPN. The deal comes months after Lillard formally requested to be traded in early July as the Blazers decided to take a 
patient approach to negotiations. Lillard leaves Portland after 11 seasons in which he made seven all-star appearances and all NBA teams and led the franchise to the playoffs eight times, including a Western Conference Finals appearance in 2018 and 2019. He ranks first in team history in points and three-pointers and second in assists. Moving over to the diamond, the Philadelphia Phillies are going back to the playoffs. They clinched Tuesday night at Citizens Bank Park as they beat the Pirates on a walk-off RBI single in the 10th inning from rookie Johan Rojas. A year ago, Rojas watched every pitch of the Phillies' postseason run from his home in the Dominican Republic. He said he kept thinking to himself how badly he wanted to be a part of it this year. On Tuesday night, he helped clinch the National League's number one wildcard spot for the Phillies. The Phillies will host a best-of-three game set in the National League wildcard series next week at Citizens Bank Park. Quote, it's honestly surreal, Rojas said, who joined the team in July from AA Reading. I didn't think I was going to be here, but it's really, really cool to be here. The Phillies are back in the postseason, so Tuesday night they blasted Dancing on My Own and all the other hits from Garrett Stubbs' playlist, which became a thing in Philly last October. Quote, you play for the Phillies, that song's going to be here, Bryce Harper said. The Phillies expected to be in this spot all along. Now they just have to finish the job and win the World Series. They were the last team to qualify last year in the postseason, then ran the table in the National League, and they went all the way to the World Series. They brought the city alive, but fell two victories short of a parade down Broad Street. Continuing with the Phillies during the Wednesday night game against the Pirates, a fan was denied entrance as he tried to bring an emotional support animal, but that support animal was an alligator. Howard Eskin was the first to tweet about it on X. He stated, are you kidding me? A hashtag Phillies fan tried to come into the game tonight with what they said was a service animal, quote unquote, an alligator. Yes, an alligator. Things I've never seen. This is it. Definitely something you don't see every day at the ballpark. Again, I'm Jack Miller for the Roan Report with your news from the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, should turn a profit next year. CEO Linda Yaccarino said at Vox Media's Code Conference the social media company is just about to break even right now. She said that 90% of the top 100 advertisers returned to X. Yaccarino took over the role from the platform's billionaire owner, Elon Musk, over the summer. It's had issues keeping advertisers since Musk began a string of changes to the platform. Europe's biggest car maker has been hit by a major IT outage, causing factories to grind to a halt overnight. In Berlin, Trent Murray says there's no indication the outage was caused by external influences. The IT outage caused production to be halted at 10 factories across Germany, including Volkswagen's global headquarters in Wolfsburg. A spokesperson for the company said they were still investigating the cause, but that systems were being rebooted and production was beginning to return to normal early on Thursday morning. VW also confirmed that factories of its subsidiary brands were affected, including Porsche and Audi. Trent Murray Berlin. ChatGPT users will now be able to access up-to-date information from the internet. In San Francisco, Ira Spitzer says the popular chat box previously hadn't been able to use information produced after September 2021. ChatGPT's creator OpenAI says that the access to current information will be available to paid users immediately and will be expanded to all users soon without giving an exact date. The information will come via the Bing browser made by the company Microsoft, which now owns 49% of OpenAI. Earlier in the week, OpenAI announced another update. 
that will enable ChatGPT to have voice conversations with users. Once rivals Peloton and Lululemon are teaming up for a partnership. Both fitness companies are announcing a five-year strategic global partnership. Lululemon will leave behind its mirror fitness equipment and Peloton will close out its clothing line. Instead, Lululemon will sell Peloton-branded apparel online and at Peloton Studios beginning October 11th. In exchange for the end of the nearly $1,000 mirror, Peloton streaming fitness classes will land on the Lululemon Studio app for subscribers. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. I'm Elle Lawton, and this is your Entertainment News. No surprise, Taylor Swift is selling out stadiums, only now it's for the Kansas City Chiefs game tomorrow. After cheering on Travis Kelsey alongside his mother at Arrowhead Stadium last Sunday, fans are setting the internet ablaze wondering if Swift will also be at the Chiefs game against the New York Jets this Sunday, October 1st. StubHub tells Town & Country they've seen ticket sales nearly triple in just 24 hours, and the Chiefs have sold more tickets in a single day than since the start of the season. The singer is in New York while on hiatus from her Eras tour, and the game is at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Neither Swift nor Kelsey have officially commented on their relationship status. British actor Michael Gambon, best known to American audiences for his role in the Harry Potter movies, has died. A statement from his family early Thursday morning read, quote, Michael died peacefully in a hospital with his wife Anne and son Fergus at his bedside following a bout of pneumonia. Michael was 82. Gambon had a long and celebrated career in British theater, film, and television before putting on the flowing beard and tassel hat of Professor Albus Dumbledore in 2002. Kanye West is finding himself in more legal trouble in Italy. According to the Daily Mail, the rapper has been cited for wearing a face mask in a public setting. The crime is, quote, punishable by a fine of one to two thousand euros. The law was introduced in 1977 in an attempt to combat domestic terrorism. Cher is being accused of kidnapping her son, according to court documents. The allegations were made by Marie Angela King, who is the estranged wife of Cher's son, Elijah Blue Alman. King claims four men, quote, removed Allen from their New York City hotel room on their wedding anniversary last November while they were working on their marriage. King also claims one of the men told her they were hired by Cher. The court documents were filed by King last December, a little over a year after Alman had filed for a divorce from King. The writer's strike is finally over, but Hollywood's actors are still picketing, demanding better pay and protections. On Wednesday, SAG-AFTRA announced they'll begin negotiations again next week. The talks will be attended by several executives from the Actors Union and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. SAG-AFTRA members are also asking for a bigger cut of the revenue from streaming shows and more protections against the use of artificial intelligence. There is a battle over a 26-foot-tall statue of Marilyn Monroe in Palm Springs. The statue showing Marilyn in her iconic white dress was purchased for a million dollars two years ago and put up on Museum Way in downtown Palm Springs. One group called the Committee to Relocate Maryland wants to have the statue moved to another part of the city because they say it blocks traffic and the view of Palm Springs Art Museum. But another group called Protect Our Maryland is gathering signatures for a potential ballot measure in March that would ask voters to keep the statue in its current location. I'm Elle Lawton, and that's your entertainment news. And that wraps up this week's edition of the Roan Report here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Roan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day. 
You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.